Today's lectionary reading brings us to this very difficult passage in Luke. Uh, that's one of the positives of using the discipline of the lectionary, lectionary and preaching from it, is that it forces you to encounter the challenging passages that quite honestly, if it wasn't for the lectionary, would probably skip over. To some passages maybe that are a little easier uh, for us to take, a little go down a little easier for us. This passage is really is indeed challenging. It's not particularly difficult to interpret. That's part of the problem. It's pretty clear what Jesus is saying to us here. The challenging part of this passage is that Jesus is so clear in his message. There's not much gray area in what he's telling us this morning. It is difficult to preach a passage like this because how does one do that without just making us all feel guilty, which is not helpful and it doesn't move us forward as we try to seek how do we understand of living as Christ and what that means for our lives. Perhaps the reason this passage is so difficult is because it really is about values and clearly understanding and acknowledging our value system, making a values choice that has a real impact in our lives. You know, values are often a marketing concept in companies. Uh, uh, I, I've worked with companies and watched companies over the years and nonprofits and who, who come in with these wonderful value statements and they really don't have much meaning. They're a marketing thing. You know, we say that do what's right for the customer. The customer always comes first. The client always comes first. That sounds good, but what we're really trying to say is if we do that, we'll make lots of money. And so values can be nothing more than a marketing effort by a company or by an organization. What Jesus is talking about this morning is really about clarifying our actual values and making a choice about our values that will have a lifelong and even an eternal impact and consequence. Jesus presents us a clear choice here and challenges us with the question of what kind of life do we intend to lead? In Luke's recording of Jesus' sermon, we find an equivalent to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. This one is called the Sermon on the Plain. It really, the word is, as it says in the translation, the level place, but it's often called the, the Sermon on the Plain. It, maybe it's a recording of the same sermon, or maybe it's a second sermon, but whatever it is, Jesus is making the same kind of points. Jesus in Luke has just appointed the apostles. He's chosen his 12, goes down the hill, and there's a large crowd there, and we're told that there are people from just all over the place. There are some people just there for the crowd, for the healing. He's obviously a good speaker, and so they want to hear him. Uh, and then there's the disciples there. And this message is disciples. Luke is very clear in saying, Jesus lifted up his eyes and looked at the disciples. These are his followers. And Jesus wants to clarify the kind of value system one needs to adopt and one needs to live to be his follower. This is a difficult passage, as I keep saying, because Jesus totally reverses the value system that was the thought of the day, and in reality, our day also. Jesus says, blessed are happy are the poor, the hungry, those who weep, those who are reviled, because God is on your side. And God is bringing a, a new way of life where you're, you're, you possess the kingdom of God. You're no longer poor where you are filled with laughter, and laughter rules your day, and where you are leaping for joy. Jesus tells him, your reward is great for all of eternity. God is on your side. God, God's self, will give you life and joy and all good things. That sounds wonderful. 
And if only Jesus would have stopped there, life would be good for us. We could have a happy sermon and go away and we would all leap with joy today and would go on our way and not think much about it. It would have made this passage so much easier, but in fact, Jesus doesn't stop. He now moves and turns to a series of woes. And he says, to those of you who are rich, you've had your comfort and it's going to come to the end. Those of you who are well fed, comes a day when you will be hungry. Those of you who laugh, there's coming a day of mourning and weeping for you. And those of you who have great reputations, you're false prophets. Your life is a fraud. This is a total reversal of our value system system that says the quality of one's life today is built on success. Get a good education. Get a good job. Be financially successful. Be one of those influencers out there. Jesus says if these are the things that uh, uh, we really have as our objectives in life, and those are the kind of ways we measure life, I'm afraid, today, then we measure up as failures. Jesus is turning values the values that we hold so dear and what we think makes life totally upside down. This is difficult because, in fact, most of us know we are successful according to the world's values. And the danger is that we will find consolation in our wealth, that we think we will have everything we need and we no longer sense in ourselves that need for the gift of God. There's no hunger in us for the invisible because the visible is so real to us and it's enough. And Jesus says, that's not the way you're my disciple. It is important here to understand what Jesus is saying about the values required to follow him, to find eternal joy. Listen, Jesus is not praising poverty for poverty's sake or mourning for mourning's sake, or hunger for hunger's sake. There is no value in that in and of itself. Material poverty as such is not a blessing. And to be simply poor does not guarantee one's salvation. But to be willing to suffer these things in a world hostile to the ways of God, to give up the good things of life, to follow God, to be God's servant, that's the key. There are two things here that really I think are, are critical. And, and it, it, in terms of how poverty works. And, and what Jesus really is saying to us is those who tend to be poor depend more on God. In fact, what else do they have? And so they find that close need for something outside their life helping them. They understand that if one follows the way of God, if, if one depends on God, she or he can expect to encounter the challenges of poverty, of hunger, and being reviled. The world does not easily accommodate those who choose to live out the values of God and those who are poor, as Jesus would say, not just in financial, but in those ways of understanding their own needs and their out-of-stepness with the world. Those are the people who actually find God. Jesus is also not just condemning wealth here uh, and the things that go with it per se. He's not saying if you have money, there's no hope of salvation. Jesus is warning us of the seductive nature of riches. It creates in us self-assurance. I got this, don't worry about it, I've got this. I can handle this, I can make this work, I can solve the problems. And there's less perceived need for God in that kind of existence. It leads us to short-term vision. This is how life is good. Therefore, all of life is good. I have what I need. 
I, I, I don't need anything else, and so I've got life handled. There's lack of a long-term eternal view in this. If we are satisfied with what we have and our own desires, Jesus says there are woes ahead for us. The one who is hungry is more blessed in the presence of a magnificent banquet than the one who is well-fed. Think about that for a moment. If you're hungry and you see a wonderful meal in front of you, you say yes. But if you've just already eaten all you wanted somewhere else, it doesn't mean much to you. Jesus is saying there needs to be a hunger for us for the things of God. And when we depend on ourselves, when we are capable in ourselves, we often can miss the idea that actually we need God. Jesus is telling us if what we value and what we seek is success according to the world's standards, we are truly lost. His telling us to follow him puts us at odds with the world's values. Jesus says you will not be comfortable in the world if you follow me. We are not to seek poverty. We're not to seek hungry, being hungry. We're not to seek mourning and revilement. If we follow him, Jesus tells us it will find us on its own because God's ways are so contrary to what the world offers. Patrick Lencioni, who's a writer on values, has done a lot of talking about values and writing on values, says values by their very nature cause pain. When you make a choice of one thing over another, you've made a choice, and there will be pain involved in that. Because values do choose. They make choices. I will do this and not that. God has a radically different value system than what the world does. And if we choose the values of God, there are times we're going to find ourselves out of step with the world. It doesn't mean we become martyrs. It doesn't mean in our existence that we know today in 21st century America that somehow we're going to have all these terrible things happen to us. But there are times we will make choices. There are times we will have to choose God's way. And it will put us at odds with the world's way. It is easy to get sucked into the world's values. Everyone is saying the world's lifestyle, its world system is good. It makes me feel good. I feel successful. But Jesus would remind us and did tell us the parable of the rich fool. The rich fool who has great crops and he tears down his barns and he builds bigger ones. And he says uh, to himself, say to yourself, you have plenty. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. And Jesus says, he's told this night, you fool, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will have what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus goes on to say, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself or herself things here, but is not rich toward God. Jesus is telling us that the values that matter, that bring life, are the exact opposite of what they should be. It's not our own achievement. It's not our own abilities. It's not our own accomplishments. It's God's accomplishments through us that matter. Jesus tells his disciples, and I would argue including us, that the first characteristics of the new life is a complete reversal of the world's values. Do we think we're better because we've achieved? If we achieve more and we have more and we accumulate more, has somehow our life been better than someone who doesn't have? God says that's not the way you can really evaluate the world. That's not the values that God really puts together and says, this is how you should be. The one thing that Jesus requires in his disciples is an emptiness 
a hunger that only God can fill, a discontent with the way of the world and wanting to change the world so that all people find the love of God, that all people are treated with dignity, that all people find hope and love. An understanding that only depends, that only has a dependence or doesn't have a dependence on the reliance of God and alignment with God's values cannot lead to satisfactory life. Only when we are in aligned with God do we find that satisfactory consolation and that comradeship of the God kingdom. Jesus is telling us we have to choose our values, the way we're going to live our lives. For ourselves, there's benefits. Short term, maybe if we don't choose the right values, or do we choose our values for God and others, which will bring us pain at times, but it's only in the short, short term because in long term, we're promised joyfulness, a joyfulness that cannot be undone. If the status quo is working for us, then maybe we're being false prophets to ourselves because God says the status quo is not his status quo. Jesus' words can be seen here as very difficult or as life-giving, telling us how we can find blessedness and happiness, but they kind of grates on me. I kind of like the way I do things. The Beatitudes, though, here are not just merely information. Jesus just isn't trying to share with us information on how to find blessedness, how to find happiness. He is inviting us, inviting us to this way of blessedness and eternal joy, change our values, live according to what he teaches us. And there's an invitation that we join him in this. That's why he's speaking to his disciples. How will we engage the world? How will we engage the world in love and care? That's the values that Christ asks us to choose. So as Jesus' teachings come down to this, on what foundation, on what values will we build our lives? What kind of life do we intend to live?